Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Toth, Executive Director of the J. Cruz Education Center, and welcome back to the J. Cruz Education Center podcast. Once again, we're going to focus on one of our 16 pathways. And remember, our goal with this podcast is to jump into the lives of individuals and discover what it's like to be them as we help people discover what jobs exist and how they can mesh their talents and passions to find a career that is fulfilling. Next up is the Government and Public Administration Pathway. I'm actually joined today by our special guest and a former U.S. Congressman, Marlon Stutzman. Marlon, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mag. Good to be with you this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So before we get started, I want to introduce our listeners to the Government and Public Administration Pathway. Um, Just give them a quick overview of that. So those of you listening, jobs in this pathway involve planning, managing, and providing government, administrative, and regulatory services at the federal, state, and local levels. And to give you some examples of those jobs uh, and careers related to this pathway, uh, I would tell you a few of them are construction and building inspectors, appraisers and assessors, regulatory affairs specialists, tax examiners, court clerks, licensed clerks, transportation inspectors, compliance officers, emergency management directors, postmasters and mail superintendents, urban and regional planners, and of course, there are elected officials. So we are going to talk to Marlon Stutzman today. And uh, again, thank you for being here. Marlon, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you currently work. I know you're a former congressman, but tell us what you're currently doing, uh, maybe what your title is in that job. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, Matt, I would say that, you know, public service is a very noble calling and a great opportunity for anybody. You know, we live in, you know, the greatest country in the world that provides opportunity for, you know, any individual who would like to, um, you know, serve our country in the capacity of civil government to actually put their name on the ballot. Um, it, It depends on which state you're from, but, you know, those can vary ballot access varies from state to state and also depending on which office you want to run for. But uh, I grew up on a farm in uh, northern Indiana. Um, I grew up with my uh, parents, um, you know, very active in our kids, uh, us as kids' lives, whether it was school or sports or uh, church activities. Uh, But we didn't get involved in government a whole lot. And um, but we always paid attention, um, and uh, it was one of the things that um, um, I never expected to uh, do uh, as a young boy. To uh, you know, ever I never thought I would run for office, but uh, I knew that we lived in a free country and a country that you know we uh, wanted to continue to see uh, a country that has freedom and liberty and uh, provides opportunity for every person. And so, um, but it was actually uh, 9-11 uh, when I first really thought about running for office. Uh, my wife, Christy, and I uh, had our oldest son, Peyton. He was three weeks old when 9-11 happened. And uh, it was then when I really started thinking about the future of our country and the future of Peyton and what he was going to face as a uh, three-week baby boy Um, and uh, what was the future going to hold? And I just felt a responsibility that I needed to do something. Uh, You know, so many of us, we all remember where we were when that uh, um, uh, terrible day took place, and we all, it uh, it affected all of our lives. And so one of the things that I decided to do, along with my wife, Christy, was to get actively involved in knowing who our uh, political officials were, our government officials, 
Um, I was a small business owner at the time. Uh, we had a, a farming operation as well as a trucking operation. And I, I quickly experienced the challenges of um, being in business uh, and the, the uh, hoops and the red tape that you would have to find your way through dealing with government. And oftentimes I felt like the I just wasn't getting help um, and that people weren't helping the way that I thought that they should. And that's one of the things that um, also uh, was one of the decision factors for me just to uh, to run, to make a difference, not only to you know help protect our country from you know, future attacks like we saw on 9-11, but also to uh, run to be a voice for people and to help people navigate the channels of government, which can be very complex. Um, you know, with three levels of government, you have federal, uh, state, and local, as you mentioned. And sometimes we get confused on exactly, well, where do I need to be? Which, you know, which agency am I talking to here? Is it a state government, uh, a state agency, or is it a local office that I need to talk to? Am I dealing with federal guidelines? And oftentimes they overlap, but uh, it can become very confusing. And so that was really my intention when I first decided to run for office was to just help uh, help people, serve people. Um, both my father and my grandfathers uh, were, were very servant-minded in our community and helping other people. And so that was something that inspired me to, uh, to want to do that. Uh, now that I'm out of office uh, after serving for over uh, 14 years, I'm uh, back in the private sector in business and uh, enjoying the um, the opportunities that are in front of us. But I've always enjoyed I always you know enjoyed my time in office and and uh, who knows maybe someday uh, again I may run uh, for office if uh, the opportunity presents itself. Sure, sure. I uh, know I I definitely uh, remember where I was in high school when 9/11 happened. I was actually in first period history class, and the teacher walked up to the front of the room and turned the TV on and said, "Here's your history for the day." And mm. we watched on pins and needles as everything was happening. I remember here, seeing the second plane hit the second tower, and yeah, just an eerie feeling. So I, I understand yeah. just all of the emotion bottled up from that day and. And carried forward. So, um, yeah. So, 14 years in uh, in office, and specifically Congress, correct? Well, I served. My first uh, office was a state representative uh, here in the state of Indiana. So, I served at the state house uh, for six years, and then two years in the state senate, and then a little over six years in the U.S. Um, House of Representatives. Uh, so, a total of 14 between those three positions. Okay. Great. So, you know, I, a lot of people will ask, what does a congressman do? Like, what is your day-to-day operations? What does that look like? <laughs> I mean, most people you can figure out if they go into work, they're nine to five, but what does that look like for, for the, your, your position in the office? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And, you know, one of the, I enjoy learning. Um, and uh, I think that no matter what job you're in or what position you're in, you can always be learning. But, uh, but the the typical day of a congressperson um, is full of learning um, because <clears throat> you are taking in new information uh, almost on a daily basis, um, or you are on a daily basis. You're, there's obviously international affairs that are taking place. You have the the political um, world of, of international politics that uh, obviously has has effects on our country. You have domestic issues that are happening right here at home. Um, you have tax policy, you have uh, 
commerce policy, uh, energy and healthcare and agriculture. And, you know, we have these uh, great um, sectors here in America that are so productive, but there's a, a lot of policy that is set by the government that affects those uh, sectors. So you're trying to understand those issues. And so, you know, you're reading a lot. Typically, uh, you know, just to kind of run you through a day, um, I'll actually maybe we'll do a week because that <laughs> kind of gives you an idea. Sure. You're, you're at home on Sunday, you're, you're spending time with your family, but either you're flying to Washington, D.C. Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, you're getting to Washington to, um, you know, start the first day. Uh, you'll us- Usually we would have a couple of meetings with maybe with constituents or with um, your, uh, your staff, as soon as you get to Washington to understand the lay of the land, what's, what the plan is for the week. And then there would always be votes, um, on the house floor, uh, the, in the evening. And then afterwards, usually, you know, go to dinner with colleagues and start to plan for the week on what was going to happen. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were, um, where was when most of the action would take place and you'd have committees, um, you would uh, have, I was on the budget committee. I was also on financial services, veteran affairs, as well as the agriculture committee. And so between- Did the, you get to choose those committees that you were on? Yeah, you, you could um, mark down the ones that you preferred and then uh, you would be assigned committees. So usually you'd get the, okay. you know, you'd have a, a list of, you know, maybe five and uh, you might get your top one and then you maybe get number three and number five. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's certain committees that uh, people tend to all want to be on, especially like Ways and Means, because that's where uh, the, the money is um, taxed and the money is also spent. And so people like to be on those committees uh, to help direct the budget. Um, and uh, but I was on the budget committee, which I really did enjoy and uh, learned a lot. So those those days we would be in committee and then they would sometimes call a vote right in the middle of committee. So you'd have to get out of committee, run to the floor, uh, sit through debate, take the votes, and then go back to committee and do it all over again and, and keep going. And then in between there, um, you know, there, we always have a lot of visitors uh, from the district. And so you, I would step out of uh, committee meetings to meet with constituents, or maybe there was a, a particular uh, problem that needed to be dealt with back in the district. And so I would, uh, you know, thank goodness for technology and, and iPhones and mm-hmm. computers. You can do a lot of emailing and uh, texting to try to help uh, connect people. And as I mentioned before, being in business, there's, you know, people don't know exactly where to go. And so you're, I, I always try to sure. have our staff help direct traffic and help our constituents get to the right agency to get the problem resolved. A lot of immigration issues, social security issues, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, we just, I had a wonderful staff that helped me deal with all of those. And so that way I could continue to stay focused on committee work and then also votes on the floor and, and working with uh, colleagues. And so that would typically go through Thursday and then uh, either fly back home Thursday night or Friday morning and uh, be in the district and making uh, visits across the district 
to businesses and groups, uh, you know, maybe go to the Rotary and speak to the Rotary for lunch and then go to the GM truck plant for a tour and then go to a farm and see what's happening to, to always be learning. And that was uh, one of the things I, I really did enjoy about serving in office was uh, the people I got to meet, the friendships I got to make, but also all of the things that I learned and then uh, spend some time with family uh, on the weekend and do it all over again the next day. So it's a, a very busy lifestyle. Yeah. Sounds, sounds busy. Sounds like a lot of travel back and forth. And um, yeah, it, it sounds like it's relationships and it's learning, like you said, lifelong learning. And you're just constantly trying to understand, um, I guess, the area you represent, those people, their wants and desires. Is that, is that kind of summarize that I'm, portion of it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the more I would hear from people, it would help me to then, you know, put those thoughts and ideas in, you know, uh, kind of pull them all together and then go back to Washington, D.C. and and make the case on, you know, on things that we would need to fix or uh, ideas that were great solutions and how could we move policy forward to help make a difference for our country. Gotcha. Very cool. It's an interesting way to finally hear, okay, this is how my idea in my community gets to Washington. And it's truly through our elected, our elected leaders. So yeah, neat, neat example, neat, uh, you know, thank you for outlining a week. I, I really like that. It, it helps me understand, okay, you know, this is a way that my voice can be heard in Washington and this is how it happens. So very cool. What was the most exciting thing that you did as a congressman? Well, uh, you know, the things that are exciting um, is, of course, when, you know, the, the, the big names from across the world, you know, come to Washington, D.C. And so, um, you know, whenever the president would speak, of course, uh, uh, the president of the United States is one of the most powerful people in the world and is the most, um, you know, most well-known people in the world. Uh, because uh, because of the the position that the United States holds in U.S. or in in world politics, and so whenever the president would speak, whether it was the State of the Union, that was always exciting. Um, the Pope actually came to the U.S. Capitol and spoke to a joint session of Congress. Hmm. Uh, we had leaders from Ukraine, Australia, um, other um, uh, European countries that came to to speak to us and give us an update. The Prime Minister of Japan, uh, President Abe, uh, came in and spoke. And then, um, uh, but probably one that was most exciting to me was the Prime Minister of Israel, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, mm. who came several times while I was in Congress. And I actually got to to meet him both times and and got to um, introduce my boys to, to him. And, uh, you know, growing up and always course, you know, knowing, learning the stories of the Old Testament and the uh, King David and King Saul, King Solomon, and, you know, the, the stories of Israel um, uh, are, have, have had great impact on me in my life. And so to meet the prime minister um, of Israel was a real exciting, that was a neat opportunity for me. And then actually to actually travel to uh, Israel as well was also a highlight to actually see uh, this small country that's right in the uh, middle of uh, um, the Middle East and has been the center of, of uh, so much attention and, of course, kind of the center of 
of the world um, from when time began is uh, to see how the impact the impact that that small country has had and the importance that it has and the the relationship that the United States has with Israel is very important and so that was one of the uh, things that I did a lot I, I worked on a lot focused on a lot um, but also how do we bring peace uh, throughout the world and how can we as a country as a, uh, as Americans be a part of bringing peace throughout the world and um, so that was a, a, a very great opportunity for me that one I really enjoyed. Great. So what's the most difficult thing that you found yourself doing as an elected <laughs> official? Well, I would say that that's uh, leaving my family. Um, that was the hardest part was leaving Christy and Peyton and Preston um, at home, you know, for the week and being away from them, that was always hard. Um, but uh, we obviously all knew the um, the the reason why, and uh, we were all willing to do that. But as far as when it comes to office, um, you know, the I can't I can't really think of anything that was just overly challenging. Uh, you know, I think the one thing that probably concerns me the most, um, and one that not one person is going to fix, um, but is the national debt that the country faces. It's trillions of dollars. It's hard to even imagine, uh, the number, but, um, uh, that was the one that I, I did focus on that issue, uh, a lot, but it just is something that doesn't seem to be high on the radar for a lot of other government officials and elected officers. And so um, I don't want to say that I gave up, but I, I just continued to talk about how, you know, debt can become a, a um, and can hold a country back. It can hold an individual back. So debt can be a, a good tool to have, but it can also be a very negative tool if you don't have control of it. And, um, uh, it, that was the, the we talked a lot about that in the budget committee about he, how debt is going to become a controlling factor of the federal budget um, sooner rather than later. But um, hopefully uh, somebody else will uh, others will pick up that mantle and talk about it. But uh, until there's enough people in Washington that want to really fix that problem, it's going to continue to be on the back burner. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems to be a topic that just becomes other pre other people's problems in the future and yeah we'll let other people address those issues and i yeah. think you're right it just never becomes a focal point and it may be a stumbling block for a country in the future so hopefully others pick up that torch and and address that issue sooner rather than later so yeah. is there something you thought you would never do <laughs> in office but you actually had to do um you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's always important for anybody in elected office. Uh, you know, one of the, my goals was to go to Washington with my family and whenever I left Washington uh, to leave with my family intact. And that can oftentimes be, um, uh, you know, as people are elected to office, it can go to their head. It can get become a distraction in their family. It can really expose the the weaknesses in a person's life if they're not careful. And, um, but, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, my wife and I and our, uh, Pete and Preston, we all, uh, came back home after I was done with office and, um, the boys, uh, love being back home in Indiana and, uh, Peyton's now in college and Preston's a high schooler. But, um, you know, as, you think about what uh, you have to do and things that you never thought you would do. Um, 
I can't really think of, uh, uh, you know, I guess just, just public speaking and speaking in certain situations is something that I never thought I would do. But, uh, you know, when you're, when you're familiar with an issue well enough, and that's what I would encourage any of your listeners is to, to know an issue really well. And if you're afraid of public speaking, um, if you know the issue so well, the, the issue just comes out. The, the words just come out because if you're passionate about it, if you're knowledgeable of the issue, um, what you say will just come out. And, and I think that's one of the things that I, uh, I, I, I don't enjoy public speaking, um, but I am always uh, energized when I'm done. And after I'm done speaking to an audience, if I feel like I've made good points and I helped people think about something new and if they, they learn something. And so, uh, yeah, I would say standing in front of Congress and speaking was something that, uh, I wasn't always excited to do, but after it was done and over with, I was always, uh, motivated and energized by it. Sure. Sure. So how old were you when you started as an elected official? So I first ran for office here in the state of Indiana for the state house when I was 25 and um, uh, I won the election. So I, I served um, when I was, well, 26 years old until I was 40. And so um, all of, uh, the, you know, we can, that's one of the, the neat things about uh, serving in office in, in the United States is that you can run as a young person. And, um, but I often encourage young people to get, um, experience in the real life in, in the real world and then um it, it no you know anybody should feel free to run because we all have a perspective and experiences that we can share with other people that we can all learn from sure so um i, I guess you mentioned age 25 26 you know if there's listeners out there thinking well gosh i, I don't ever think i could become a, a politician or elected official Maybe I don't have the skills. Maybe I don't have the education. What are the actual requirements to be a politician or an elected <laughs> official? Not much. <laughs> you can't be a felon. <laughs> can't be a felon. So truly yeah. a representative of the people. There's no specific degree. There's no specific skills um, that I that you know maybe are on paper. But from what I'm hearing you say, as long as you're willing to listen to people, to learn and to be a spokesman for the people that's that seems to be the requirement and on the side if you can have a job and live a little prior to jumping into um you know that that area that could be of benefit as well yeah you know i mean and that's we we are a citizen legislature we are a citizen congress um you know, it's citizens who step up and run for office and you don't need a particular degree. A lot of people study political science. Now, there's, you know, some folks out there that they they love politics from very young and they aspire to, to serve in office. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that it's more valuable to have real world experience. And, you know, maybe you're... Um, a farmer, maybe you're a, a teacher or a firefighter, or you work in a particular trade. <clears throat> maybe you're a, a small business owner. Um, there's pastors that run, and so there's all walks of life that uh, can run for office and are needed to run for office. That way, all perspectives are at the table. And so, um, I, I just think that uh, you know, I would encourage people, uh, you know, 
there was three things that I always encourage young people, especially to do in life and to prepare for life. And one was, of course, to uh, to get your education. And then two um, was to make friends. Um, you know, don't don't leave anybody out. It's important to have um, friends. And if there's people that are kind of sitting on the sideline, go make friends with them. In politics, it's good to have lots of friends uh, because you need a majority of people to vote for you uh, to win in an election. And then um, the third thing I always encourage uh, young people to do is to travel outside of the United States if possible, just to see other parts of the world, to, to realize it helped me realize how fortunate and blessed we are to live in the United States of America. Um, but uh, yeah, those are, um, there's not, uh, there's age requirements, but other than that, um, and like I said, you can't be a felon and um, you have to live in the district. Typically um, you have to, you know, uh, have to, there's certain qualifications as far as um, that goes, but uh, there's, there's no educational prerequisite that requires a person to run for office. You know, I, I think people that have a servant's heart are the best people to step up and serve. Sure. Sure. No, good point there. I know we, we ask on a lot of these podcasts, a lot of different professionals, what are the skills needed to get in their careers? And they share it. And, you know, it almost, it sounds less about skills and more about your character and experiences that you've had mm -hmm. to yeah. make you a leader in the political field. Yeah, absolutely. So, this may be tricky or different or, you know, as, as somebody gains skills and spends time in a, in a position at a business, you know, their average pay tends to increase, you know, what is the average or estimated pay range for someone starting off in, in the political realm? And, and what is, you know, can you make more money the more years you're in, or is it a, here's, it's a static salary and that's what you have. And while you serve, that's, that's it. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, you know, so it ranges on the local level. Um, you know, you can work in, in for an agency or work for a department and, uh, you know, you can make between $30,000 and $50,000. It depends on the position. If you actually run for office, uh, let's say you're going to run for a state representative seat or a state senator seat, the base salary is $22,000 uh, roughly. And then there's a per diem on top of that. And so um, I would say it's a, it is a part-time legislature, but it really does take up a more time than just part-time because you do have a, a real commitment there. And so the, um, typically, um, you know, you have to pay for your, your hotel if you don't live close enough to the state house. You have to, you're, you're reimbursed for your mileage. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with before all expenses are taken out, you know, it's about a base salary of 22000 then your per diem is about another 25000 So um, then you have to pay for those costs. And so you're, you know, what you take home is really what you're able to eliminate as far as your expenses go. And then if you actually run for uh, Congress, uh, the salary is about $170,000, but then you have to provide for your own uh, lodging and housing um, and travel. Uh, some of your travel is, is taken care of uh, to and from um, the Capitol. And then the president of the United States uh, makes about $400,000. So that's, uh, um, it, those are, you know, you talk about $400,000, which is a lot of money, but it's also the president of the United States. <laughs> right. Which <laughs> is a, a huge job. And uh, $170,000 for a senator or for a U.S. Uh, congressperson 
is also a lot of money, um, but there's a lot of expenses that they have to take care of themselves, um, having to have two places to live. And, and Washington, D.C. is not a very cheap place to live. Some uh, members of Congress actually sleep in their office to try to save money uh, while they're in Washington. Um, that's something that I didn't ever do. I, I always wanted to keep my <laughs> office and uh, my personal life separate. Um, <laughs> Get a couch, roll out a sleeping bag, and you're good to go <laughs> for the week. <laughs> yeah. But, but that gives you a general idea of uh, the salaries that uh, elected officials make. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Very enlightening. So maybe some young people are listening. What would you encourage them to do if they're looking to maybe pursue a political position in the future? I would say to, uh, you know, stay active in school, stay active in the community, um, you know, be involved in 4-H or other um, uh, local activities, be involved in church, um, you know, ath- uh, uh, being involved in sports helps teach teamwork. Um, and uh, But also, you know, find ways to volunteer and, uh, and then also to work hard. And a lot of times what I found in politics is just showing up. Um, if you're there, people will ask you, you know, if you'd be willing to help with a particular project. And so oftentimes it's the people that just show up that are the ones that uh, are then selected to help um, with uh, different projects. And then eventually it show, you show the effort and the desire you have to serve people. Um, I was actually approached by a, a lady who saw me after I had been attending meetings for almost uh, six months. She's like, well, you should run for office someday. And so that's actually what uh, provoked me or gave me the um, courage to to say, well, I think I would like to do that. And so uh, just being involved and and then also treating people well. I think sure. that's uh, very important is that uh, be with, be willing to listen even to people that you don't agree with, but uh, but you know stand for what you believe, but also treat people well. Great, great thoughts. <clears throat> so is there anything else you would like to share about your experience or your journey? Um, from your your time in office, anything at all for our listeners? Well, I wouldn't trade it uh, for anything because it was a it was a great experience. And like I said at the beginning, you know, maybe I'll run for office again someday. But <clears throat> I think that um, the relationships that I built um, are so valuable. And there's you know people in almost any state across the country and counties all across the state of Indiana that that I know that I could reach out to and. If I had a flat tire alongside the road, I could probably call somebody and ask for some help. And, uh, but it's the people that I got to know and the experiences that I uh, had that really are valuable. And um, I, we, we live in, in a great um, country with great opportunity, and we should never take it for granted. Sure. Man, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. This was this was great, very enlightening, and I hope you as listeners uh, enjoyed listening to uh, this podcast. So well, thank you again, Marlon, for being on. You bet. Thanks, Matt, for having me. <clears throat> sure. And thank you all for tuning in today. And remember to subscribe to our channel as content is updated weekly. Please leave a review and share us with your friends. Also, if you're interested in hearing from a specific professional, please send us an email and let us know what profession you want to explore. You can always find more information about the J. Cruz Education Center at jcruiseducation.org and on our Facebook page, J. Cruz Education. Thanks. Thanks.